0: Whether you're looking for inspiration to get started or strategies to get growing, I am here to help you create abundance in every area of your life and business. Welcome. Okay, I am so excited to introduce you to my guests today. I have with me Kate White and her daughter, Haley Holbrook. And when you hear my experience of these two amazing women, you're going to understand why I asked them to be on the podcast together. Although I would have been happy to be talking to them individually, I think their collective story is even cooler Um, You probably know Kate White as the author of the Gutsy Girl Handbook. You might have heard of many of the amazing things she's done, and certainly she is, without a doubt, one of the most successful women I know in the context of wealth and purpose. So What I want to get into with both Kate and with Haley is understanding what wealth and purpose have meant for them. Now, early on, when Kate was, you know, has Haley at home as a mother, she was also, you know, involved in seriously high, high energy business at Cosmo. And Haley is currently kicking it um, as a graduate of Boston University's Theater Conservatory and the Met Film School in London. She currently works as the assistant to film directors and actors. I think she just came from the set, actually, and we can um, hear about that later. When I met them, they were together because Kate was speaking on a stage, and I saw Haley observing her mother. And what stood out to me, um, especially in the context of wealth and purpose, is that you know, I think so often we think about wealth as money. And I know I've talked about that on this podcast before, that wealth has to be bigger than just money or we will not be happy. And then in the pursuit of wealth, are you able to live out your purpose? And I know for so many of you listeners, being a good parent or feeling like you've fulfilled your parental role feels important. And what I observed in Haley watching her watch her mom on the stage was that she was in and of her own right, an independent woman, even though she is young, she stood there with a poise that I'm sure is mostly attributable, attributable to her and her own personality, but also could be seen in the context of having had a role mother, role model in her mother. And at the same time, she was happy for her mother, she was proud of her mother. And I could see all of that. And as someone who is raising a girl who is still very young, sure. has <laughs> a lot of years to be screwed up, I was blown away by that. Because if my daughter can hold herself the way that Haley was holding herself, and also look at me the way that Haley was looking at her mother, I will have done a good job. So I wanted to hear how Kate navigated her life um, up until this point. And certainly there's so much she can share with us. And then from Haley, you know, what she sees as a millennial, what she sees as a woman that was raised by a, a really strong mother figure. So uh, let's just jump in. You know, both of you, the first question I like to ask, just to give context is, what do you consider your definition of wealth? So Kate or Haley, you guys jump in however you want.
1: Well, I'll, I'll go first, I guess. Uh, for me, I have to say that it is just as you said, Patty, more encompassing than money, though that is important to me because I I've never felt, oh, I had to have billions, but certainly money does provide you with some of the nice things that allow you to live, you know, to travel and have a certain sense of freedom that's important to me. But for me, the primary sense of wealth is just being able to provide for my kids and have a relationship with my husband and kids that is meaningful and be able to have wonderful times with them and also even broader to mentor so many of the wonderful people work for me and be a good sister to my brothers, particularly now that my parents are dead. And really, I guess it comes down to relationships. I love that. And um, Haley, how about you?
2: Um, yeah, well, I, as a kid being uh, born in a very financially stable family in Manhattan, I certainly wasn't someone like my mom who had dreams and aspirations of moving to the big city. And that wasn't part of my childhood. I sort of was living from being as a child of someone who had those aspirations. And one thing that she, her, my father both really instilled in me was uh, a curiosity about the world and travel. And so those things, education, those things really became part of what I saw as, as wealth and and it translates in what I do today that, uh, you know, if you're in a job that you're not making the kinds of dollars that you want to be making, are you still learning something? Is it something that's going to benefit you for a future role? Are you tackling jobs that are scary for you and you're letting your curiosity be the motivating factor into what jobs you're taking? And that for me was something I learned from my, from my parents. Um, especially my mom who, uh, just yeah I, I didn't you know I wasn't someone that was that ever wanted to go to these you know, we we called ourselves you know travelers instead of tourists like we like to go on these really rugged adventures and see the world in a in a really real way as opposed to kind of resort life and that for me was always really important was yeah I guess sort of seeing the seeing the world uh, around me through travel and doing the best I could to keep craving experiences. And, um, and that, I guess, yeah, that would be my sort of wealth is I currently, as you mentioned, work in an industry where, you know, unless you are sort of at the top of your game, you aren't really bringing in the big bucks. And there's, for my particular interests, there is a wide gap between what I do and when you actually are financed for things Mm -hmm. that you want to be doing. And, uh, you get people to give you money to be making projects. And and in between that, you have really only your experiences to to consider your wealth and what where you're learning from, how you're gonna take the your resources from anything that's gone wrong, anything that's gone right, and how you apply that to the next thing. And that is the wealth of, of my industry, I, I think, in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, I, I love what Haley said because, she would really embrace the travel thing and it was something that we decided on that we wanted to do knowing that our, we sensing that our kids would like it and I, I, I love how she just put it about having the curiosity that it provided that and she, she was a great traveler. Very, very game. And she's been to, she's been to, by the time she was 18, she'd been to all seven continents, which was so obnoxious, but we loved it, the fact that she had been.
0: Oh man, that's not obnoxious. Yeah, (laughs) obnoxious in a good way. In a good way.
1: I love that. And she was so appreciative. That's what one thing we loved. Our kids never acted as if, hey, this is, just comes with the territory. They really loved that this was part of what, was important to us.
0: That's powerful. And I want to go back, Haley, to what you said, because what I'm hearing is, and this the second question I always ask all of our guests is, you know, what do you think your purpose is? And it, I, you're the youngest guest we've had so far. And I think maybe for someone your age, I don't know that I'd even consider it to be you have been far enough along for you to have a, a strong sense on it because, I think you deserve to have more life experiences to have some more detail around that. But as I'm listening to you, I realize that thesis on my part was probably wrong. You seem to have a really good, strong connection to your purpose. What do you think about that?
2: Um, Well, I mean, I definitely think with both my parents, I was raised in a household where I, at a young age, wanted to be a storyteller. And that was, was something that I know a lot of people have the artist bone in their bodies, and and don't have people around them that are entirely supportive of that. And I was very lucky to grow up with a uh, two parents who that's what they do, and and uh, so they encouraged that. So at a very young age, it, my appreciation for for art and storytelling started to grow, and it just was something that was never uh, questioned or denied, and so it um, was something I ended up going to school for. Uh, my parents were happy to allow me to go to school for that. And, um, yeah, I think just being around the people that, that let that blossom in its own way on its, you know, in its own time, on its own course was, was definitely very helpful. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would definitely say that the the purpose is constantly adapting. Um, but but i definitely think that from a young age i've known somewhat of the world that i wanted to to have a career in and that hasn't changed since you know the first uh composition book that i wrote a very very bad short story <laughs> in at the age of like 5 <laughs>
0: Okay. I love, 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 love that answer, Haley. So Kate, I, I want to jump over to you. So now what do you consider your purpose? You've been that editor in chief in five magazines. You're a mystery writer. You're a speaker. I mean, that's, there's some threads in there for sure, but I'm so curious what you consider your purpose to be.
1: I would say it's close to what Haley said. I guess from the time I was little, I wanted to be a storyteller. In Mm. fact, one of the vivid memories for me was being in, I believe it was second grade. And we were told to write down some words that were on the blackboard. And she wanted us to maybe put them together in a story, the teacher did. But I vividly remember Feeling, I wanted to write a little story about my grandfather taking me to see these ducks and that one of the ducks was on the road. And as we were starting to leave, my grandfather got out of the car to scoot the duck over and the duck flew up in his face. And it made us both laugh so hard. And so I wrote the story. And I remember even as I was writing it, thinking I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. And then I did not get my story back and everybody else got their little things back. I don't think we were even supposed to write a story. But all of a sudden the teacher has me come up and she has me read it to the rest of the class. And then she has me go and read it to the two other classes, which no teacher should ever do because you that just makes other kids feel bad. But I thought this was the fifties <laughs> and things are different then. And then she mounted it on a piece of I still remember this purple construction paper and hung it in the room. So I guess that's when I discovered, wow, I love being a storyteller, that it wasn't bad to break the rules, and that there was a real wonderful feeling that came from the applause. And mm. that, for me, was important. Now, side by side, and I guess they are related, is that I, I just felt an almost visceral desire to be a mom. And my mother told me that she had felt that too. And maybe that's not being a storyteller. To me, it was just biological imperative. That baby fever, I just really wanted to have kids. And I, I would never say this in front of my son, but I wanted more than anything to have a daughter. And, and it was just a shock when I discovered that I was having a son instead in the, the first child and it just felt wrong. I thought, oh wait, I'm supposed to have a daughter. (laughs) So my husband and I were so thrilled when we had Haley. In fact, we had actually decided on a name for her on our fourth date. So she was in the cards for us. (laughs) Okay, well we just won't let him
0: hear this podcast. I'll put it there, he can't listen. That's right, that's right. He is not
1: a podcast kind of guy, so we're okay.
0: (laughs) So, um, Kate, I have another follow-up question for you then. Um, So, you know, you worked in a pretty traditional industry, although it tied clearly to storytelling. Was there ever a time where pursuing wealth, and we'll focus in the context of wealth on, like, making money, you know, building your career, where you felt that you had to choose, that um, if you were going to stay true, to like what your, your heart was telling you about storytelling, you were going to have to either let go of some money or some career prestige, or you were going to have to let go of some of the desire to be a storyteller. Did that ever happen to you? And if it did, because I think it happens to a lot of us, you know, what did you do to autocorrect? Because obviously I can tell by I've been in your presence a couple of times You're a very connective person. You're a very on-purpose person. So um, how did that go for you?
1: It was a dilemma, Patty, because I had a really bitchy boss when I had my son. And I felt such a desire to change my hours and leave at five. And I had been very devoted to her. And she called me in my first day back, first week back. And she said, I don't want you leaving at five. And I thought, wow, nothing happened in this place after five o'clock. She left at 5.30 every day. And I just decided, look, I'm gonna have to create my own world to do this. And I had actually talked to my husband a little bit about me freelancing, but he was in a very precarious field as a TV news anchor. And he just said, I don't know if we could do it because in his world, it was so easy to get fired or the network changes and everyone is let go or they have a different mission. So I spent the next three months trying to get another job and I became the editor of a parenting magazine, which was fantastic because I felt no one's going to fault me for being a good mom and leaving at five. And for the next years, I really had a lot of flexibility being able to have my own hours and do as I wanted. But when I got the Cosmo job, it was so scary. It was handed to me. I didn't apply for it. And I was worried. And I remember sitting on Haley's bed uh, about a week after I got the job. And at this point, I knew the person I was replacing, she had four kids, and she left at 8 o'clock every night. And I thought, I just am not going to want that life. And Haley said to me, Mom, I, I don't know why, but I feel scared. And I realized she was picking up my fear. And I just said, I'm going to make this work. And I said to my managing editor, let's find out why they stupidly stayed at eight o'clock every night. And it was all time management. So I did shift to leaving at five thirty, but I kept my kids up late too. So I, I felt like I didn't have to sacrifice a lot with them. I, I made their games and their concerts and I, I didn't travel for work the way I should have. I, Didn't go to any of the big fashion shows in Paris, Milan, the way my counterparts did. But I figured that was a trade-off I was happy to make. And I was lucky because I could make it, unlike maybe a woman who's in a law firm. That's, well, I don't know, Kate, maybe.
0: But good Lord, you were the editor-in-chief of Cosmo. I mean, I think that's. I think there would be a lot of people who would say, well, you know, cause I'm not like the editor in chief of Cosmo. It was like, I could make my hours. I, I think it's you. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it has to do with what you cover. So for anyone who's listening, if you haven't read the gutsy girl handbook that Kate wrote, I highly recommend you check it out because even if it's not for you, like I, I think a lot of the stuff i read in this, I wish I had known when I was working in corporate or when I was younger. But I think a lot of what attributed to you having the inner strength maybe is, is a lot of the, the kind of foundation that you lay out in the gutsy girl handbook. Do you think that's true?
1: I think some of it is daring to take the chance. I know for instance, in Haley's world, she can't call up and say or announce, well, I'm leaving at six today because I'm running a marathon, but a lot of times we have more Ability then we realize that we if we set the boundaries, people might realize, oh, she doesn't respond to email after 7, but she does the next morning at 7 a.m. So I'm all for saying experiment, see what your boss tolerates, and don't give in because no one, whether you're a mom or a marathon runner or whatever, no one's going to set the boundaries for you.
0: Uh, that's a good point so i want i'm gonna ask a question of both of you you can answer it separately key i mean going looking back on the choices you made how did you find the courage to set those boundaries because i think everyone is capable of setting some boundaries and yet they choose not to because of fear like fear of getting fired fear of someone being mad at them whatever it is
1: well just quickly i think my first realization with the boss who was so terrible to me and so non-understanding was that she was never going to change. And sometimes I find women thinking with a negative boss that they're trying to work around it or come up with strategies. You really have to have the courage and the proactivity to leave those kind of situations behind as much as possible, because those people don't change. So the, I would say one of the first things to do is ask yourself, how can I change this? Can I change it? And how will I?
0: I love that. And then, um, because I think that's true, that people do have a lot more power when they acknowledge their choice, but it's feeling like you're stuck that keeps people stuck. Yeah, yeah. So Haley, um, for you, I and mean, you've already made some... Pretty bold choices for yourself. I mean, you're, you've chosen a career to follow your passion that clearly comes with a lot of risks. How have you had to set boundaries for yourself? How do you find that courage? You know, from your perspective as a millennial, what does that look like?
2: Well, I, I do think there have been several times that I have considered saying, "Should I? Should I take a break? And should I take a job that's more realistic right now financially for me?" um and sort of put this on hold and then I I talked to my mother and instead of sort of giving up on on something in order to instead of giving up on your dream in order to take another temporary job that's going to allow you to be financially stable for enough enough of a period of time to then maybe get back into it when you have a bit more saved up she sort of would always encourage me to just readjust, look at what I'm already doing. And instead of making a huge change for financial purposes, what, what are you already doing? What are your resources already within the industry that you're doing where you can make a small change that's going to make you feel a little bit more secure um, in your rent payments and you're going out for a big grocery shop that week that you can you can still have these tweaks to your, your budget um, with a small tweak in what you're doing work-wise. And for me, as as someone that works, you know, in the film industry, which is primarily um, freelance, just sort of taking certain jobs, you know, and as I talked about before, working um, for things that are educational. So, you know, working with a big name actor has, it didn't end up being something that was educational to me. And if that wasn't if that had been very financially uh, interesting at the time, then maybe I would have stuck it out. Maybe I would have stuck out certain, certain small jobs that I've had to be a little bit more financially stable if that's what it had to offer. But really what I've craved is what job is this? Who am I working with? And what am I learning from it? And if that is something that allows me to keep over my head um, and some food in my belly, then, then that's great. And maybe making small adjustments here and there um, knowing that, okay, for these six months, I'm. it's not going to be the most interesting thing that I'm doing, but I'm going to be working with some people that, uh a year from now maybe there will be something else that comes up so I, that is brilliant
0: god if i was could travel back in time and have your uh emotional intelligence around this i don't even know worry <laughs> i, <laughs> I know.
2: have a lot less pain It um it does help having a good text companion um <laughs> that i can i can bounce some of these things off of for sure um so um so many thoughts are coming to me, especially
0: because a lot of uh, the listeners have their own businesses, and I, you know i one thing I preach, especially in my um, to my clients and to the people who are in my monthly coaching program, the collective, is there is no shame in feeding your babies and it doesn 't matter if your baby 's a legitimate like child or it 's your pet or it 's yourself you know I think there 's this idea and I'm I'm thinking probably in your industry as well, Haley, that like you don't sell out, right? Like you, if you're a real entrepreneur, if you're a real whatever it is, you do this a certain way. But I think having that financial intelligence, especially for you, so uh, at such a young age is so solid because like you said, Kate, early on, like, no, money is not the whole picture with wealth, but money is a big part of it. Money affects almost every other piece of the puzzle. Um, that A lot of the people that are listening are um, entrepreneurs and think that you know, if you're not doing it all in, you know, that you're a sellout. Like If you're not making all your money as an entrepreneur and you're making choices on where you're making money to pay the bills, that, there's, you know, that you're a sellout or that there's something wrong with you.
1: One thing just to add to what Haley said, I thought a great strategy of hers was she stopped taking a certain level of work that was below her value just to make the money. And I think it sends a message to the world what your value is that you don't go below that.
0: Ooh, so good. Show the world how to treat you and the world will treat you that way. I love it. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we are almost at time. I can't believe it's been flying by Um, all while you and I have been experiencing major thunderstorms here, right? Yeah, think, yeah. um, so the question I have for both of you is for the listeners who are thinking, okay, how do I pursue wealth, money, but in a way that feels good to me while still staying aligned with my purpose? What one piece of advice would you have
1: have them receive from you and from your journey? For me, beyond having that personal brand statement, which to me is really important, both a professional one and a personal one, where you really define your priorities and say no to what doesn't matter. I really think it's great to have some crazy dream in the back of your mind that you're going to pull out when you're able to. And for me and my husband, it was buying a home someday in South America. And 10 years ago, we bought a home in Uruguay. And it's been an intoxicating experience and the kids love it too. And I I think if you don't plant that seed, particularly as you get older, it can be hard to pull the trigger.
0: Oh, it's so good, Kate. I love it. What about you, Haley?
2: Well, as someone speaking from a 20 something (laughs) mindset, uh, it would maybe be just a little different, less planned ahead and more living in the moment um, where I think that something that's easier said than done is to, is to let yourself be itchy and curious and, and uh, really want to put yourself out there and take those risks. But then sort of like my mom was saying before is, is also learn when to say no. And when you're in too much of a comfortable state and it feels safe that those are the times that maybe it is interested in to talk to your, you know, I have a friend right now who is in conversation with um, her HR department because she wants to not necessarily leave her company, but see what else is out there within it. um, That might be more uh, engaging, might be more interesting for her right now. And yeah, for me, I think just going back to that idea of just curiosity and risk taking is definitely easier said than done. It terrifies me, but when you do gain some sort of reward and and success from that. It is some of the best there is. And uh, it definitely is worth putting yourself out there time and again, just to, to have that gratification that you're, you know, being ballsy. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Okay. So
1: where can our listeners find each of you? Well, for my speaking and for the Gutsy Girl Handbook, I'm on katewhitespeaks.com. For anyone interested in my mysteries and thrillers, I've written now 13 of them. That's katewhite.com. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, too, so you can find me all those places. Awesome.
0: And this will all be in the show notes, too. And how about you, Haley?
2: Is it sad that my mother's on more social media than I am? <laughs> um, I am on Instagram at Haymaker with three R's and Haley Holbrook on Facebook.
0: Awesome. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, both of you ladies, for spending this time with me and sharing your wisdom with our listeners. I, I learned a lot. I know our listeners did as well. And I, I am so appreciative of your time. Thank you, oh, Patty. We so enjoyed it. Have a great day, ladies. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. To our listeners, you have a great day. Okay. Bye, everyone. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of the Wealth and Purpose podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. And if you're feeling really generous, I'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found us. It fills my heart when I read a review and helps us reach many more people. So thank you.
1: This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, Women's Voices Amplified.